Welcome back to this week's episode of The Emily Show. Today, we are talking all things Girardi. There are so many Girardi cases going on right now that we haven't touched back in on. Plus, there's this debacle over the auction for Erica's earrings. The auction is happening December 7th, so we should know how much those earrings sell for soon. Starting bid is $200,000. We're going to talk about the auction, the controversy over the auction, the taxes of it all. You know, since the CFO or the former CFO, Chris Kamen, was arrested, I have been saying the IRS is coming. And I went back through to look at the claims that the IRS, California's Franchise Tax Board, and other tax agencies in Los Angeles have made in the bankruptcy. So we're going to pull those up today. I haven't seen those broadly talked about. There are some other claims in the bankruptcy that we haven't had a chance to look at and I'm fascinated by. So today we're going to do kind of a catch-up on all things Girardi. There is lawsuit inception going on. I do record a lot of the podcast episodes with our amazing members in the background. And as I was talking about the lawsuits within the lawsuits inside the bankruptcy, the chat was like, oh, lawsuit inception. Yes. Yes, we're at lawsuit inception. And it is busy. So this holiday, we're here for an auction. Oh, and we have the results of the auction of Tom Girardi's personal property with some very interesting bidders in the auction for the personal property. Why do we know? Because now we have the auctioneer's report of who bought what and for how much. So we get to live our nosy best life as we get into today's episode. But before we do, remember, if it's a hectic holiday season, our sponsor, Green Chef, has got you covered with new 10-minute lunches that are convenient and low prep. No cooking required. Use code EMILYBAKER599 at greenchef.com slash EMILYBAKER599 to get $5.99 per meal on your first box and your first box ships free. Thank you to Green Chef, and we need to get in to today's episode. Hey there, welcome to The Emily Show. I'm your host, Emily D. Baker, badass lawyer and everyone's favorite legal commentator, breaking down the legal shit in the news and pop culture stories you want to talk about. I've been a licensed attorney for over 15 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I'm a big fan of the cursey words. So let's break it down. The first thing we are talking about today are Erica Girardi's earrings. Yes, the famous, now infamous, $750,000 earrings that Tom Girardi is alleged to have purchased with a check, a check out of his client trust account. We have seen so much discussion about the earrings, not only when it broke that the trustee was trying to get them back, because remember, Erica did not want to give them back, and the trustee made a motion to get that property clawed back into the bankruptcy. Why? Because the trustee wants to sell those earrings for what they're worth and put that money back into the estate of the law firm. The law firm estate has over 600 creditors, a lot of whom are former clients. As I was going through all the different creditor filings for those making claims in the bankruptcy, there were too many of them that were an individual for the name of another individual noted deceased because this is a catastrophic injury plaintiff's firm. So a lot of those that they are representing are family members of people who were injured, harmed, and killed. And that is not lost, especially when you're going through claim after claim after claim 
The law firm does not have enough money to pay back everyone who has claims against it. And the claims that are in the superior position in bankruptcy right now are, yes, one client, the Rigomez family, but mostly legal lenders. But don't worry, the bankruptcy trustee is suing some of the legal lenders. So there's more there as well. And trying to bump up those clients in order of priority within the bankruptcy. But back to the earrings. Selling the earrings and selling off property of the estate of the law firm matters to bring more money in because there's not enough money to cover all of the claims that are made, hundreds of millions of dollars of claims. So we know that the earrings were purchased with a check that was written out of a client trust account. Erica did not immediately want to turn over the earrings, and we saw her wearing them on this season of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. And in Aspen, she was talking about how big the earrings were and that they were estimated to be worth about $1.3 million. Interesting that the auction on these earrings is pinning them in the $200,000 to $350,000 range. Last I checked, diamonds, yes, they are a girl's best friend, but they don't go down in value. So the diamonds that were bought for $750,000 by Tom Girardi and with a check out of a client trust account would or should, in my opinion, have increased in value. So we're going to talk about that because there is some concern that perhaps the earrings that were purchased by Tom Girardi with that check, the $750,000 check, are not the earrings that are being auctioned off. And we will talk about why that confusion is there in a minute. But it's not over yet because Erica is also appealing the court's decision to make her give back the earrings. Now, the court's decision was not reported on broadly when the bankruptcy court said you have to give the earrings to the trustee so the trustee can sell them. The bankruptcy judge basically said, hey, this is receipt of stolen property. The money was not Tom Girardi's money. It was in the client trust account. He wrote it to the earrings. You have the earrings. Give us the earrings. We're selling the earrings. But in that opinion or in that oral ruling, the court also said, which we know from other court filings, the court also said that they didn't think Erica knew what Tom Girardi was up to. They didn't think Erica had any reason to know the source of funds for the earrings that were purchased. And that, I think, we would have heard more about. People didn't pick up that story. It seems that when stories go a little bit more positively for Erica, we don't hear a lot about them. But the judge did make clear that they don't believe Erica knew the source of funds for the earring. But once she did know, she didn't turn over the earrings. They're still fighting over them in court. You know, they're appealing for legal reasons, which she said, how many times did she say that at the reunion? Like three or four? We're on appeal for legal reasons. Well, they are on appeal for legal reasons. And some of the arguments being made in the appeal are that, one, well, the money was really Tom Girardi's anyway. So even though it came out of the client trust account, Tom Girardi was owed that money as fees in this case. And so the earrings can't be stolen because it was money that he was entitled to. That's one of the arguments. One of the other arguments on appeal is, hey, if this wasn't Tom's money, Tom knew that the money was taken. The bankruptcy trustee steps into the shoes of Tom Jordy. They knew that the money was taken. And the statute of limitations is long since passed. So there's nothing that can be done about the fraudulent transfer of funds. Understand. Siri has thoughts. <laughs> Siri doesn't understand what's happening. Agreed, Siri. The fuckery is real. 
I'm not sure I understand those arguments. Well, one, he was entitled to the money anyway, or two, if he wasn't entitled to the money, the statute of limitations is passed and there's nothing the trustee can do. But they are also arguing about whether or not the trustee turned over in time uh, a matter of discovery. So there are ongoing arguments in the appellate court. But what's notable is that Erica did not ask for a stay of the auction, which is happening the day this episode airs. So the auction is happening. If it's determined that the earrings shouldn't have been turned over, then I think Erica will just go after the amount of money. But if you think the earrings, or at least on TV, say that the earrings are worth $1.3 million and the trustee is looking to sell them for two to $300,000, wouldn't you be like, pause the auction, stop the presses, stop everything, don't sell off these million-dollar earrings because well, the tax ban is coming for Erica. We will talk about that in a minute. But don't sell off the earrings. I'm going to need the million dollars to pay the franchise tax board or the IRS or both. Well, a million dollars isn't going to cover both with what they've filed. But don't you think you would want to hold on to the earrings and not sell them for less? Which, to me, raises questions that others have raised about the earrings that are being sold and whether or not the earrings that are being sold are the earrings that were purchased with that check in 2007 out of the client trust account. Before we get to the client trust account, though, I want to take just a brief look at the case that the money came out of the trust account and let you know from what the trustee has uncovered how much money Tom Girardi and his firm were paid out of a mass tort settlement over an insulin-type medication. So what we're looking at now is the statement of facts from the bankruptcy trustee's response in the Erica Girardi appeal. So their statement of facts kind of lays out what happened from their perspective. Upon her appointment in January 2021, the trustee retained the services of Development Specialist Inc., DSI Consulting, a forensic accounting management consulting firm, to conduct a review of the debtor's books and records, footnote five says the trustee also retained another individual to do that um, and to help with that. The investigation led to the discovery of the following documents and facts. A letter written by Girardi dated July 6, 2012, to Miss Zinzu of the California Franchise Tax Board. That's California's tax agency, their version of the IRS, in which Girardi represents to the Franchise Tax Board that in 2007, he purchased earrings for $750,000 using a line of credit that he had established at Comerica Bank. However, the check that he used to pay for the earrings was out of a client trust account at Comerica Bank. That is my introduction. The trustee goes on to say, Girardi also provided the FTB with a declaration from the jeweler the owner of the M&M jewelry store, where the earrings were purchased, affirming the purchase and the cost of the earrings. A March 2nd, 2007 check drawn on the trust account at Comerica Bank in the amount of $750,000 payable to M&M was discovered by the trustee. The check was signed by Thomas V. Girardi and James O'Callaghan. The back of the check presents that the check was negotiated and deposited into the account of M&M jewelry at First Republic Bank. The Girardi Trust Account Ledger for the Resulin Mass Tort Action setting forth the following entry dates 
from March 2nd, 2007. Date 3-2-2007. Transaction type check, check 1547, pay E-M&M. Description costs amount 750000 Girardi then gave the earrings to Erica Girardi, which comes from a, num- a number of documents, including Erica's own declaration, wherein she confirms that around this time she received a pair of earrings from Tom. A review of the trust accounts demonstrate that Girardi Keys paid itself, buckle up, $15 million, or sorry, $74,805.82 as costs. So the costs that they took from this case were over $15 million. And another $7.5 million described as fees from the money deposited into the trust account. Erica Girardi claims with which amounts to a partial admission that in late 2021, early 2022, she learned for the first time that the replacement earrings, and we'll talk about why that matters in a minute, that she received in 2007 were allegedly bought with the money transferred from the Girardi Keys client trust account from that litigation. The trustee requested that Girardi return the earrings and release claim of ownership to them. Girardi refused. Litigation ensued. The court made her turn them over. And now we're here on appeal where Erica is saying the court, the bankruptcy court's decision in forcing her to turn those over is wrong. Why it's staggering that there was $15 million in costs and $7.5 million in fees is because this was a massive settlement. And what Erica is arguing is that the costs come first. So when we look at the fee agreement or the sample fee agreement that's been provided in this case, 40% of what's recovered comes out as attorney's fees first. Then costs come out. Then the rest goes to the client. So when they are writing something out of the ledger as costs, those are all being taken without limitation before the clients get paid. So why didn't it come out of the fees Girardi paid to himself? Why didn't it come out of a personal bank account? It seems that Girardi was using his client trust account as his personal bank account to fund his life and buy these $750,000 earrings. Now, what has been provided in court and most importantly on the website where these are being auctioned is a receipt for these earrings. So let's go to the auctioneer's website and take a look. And this is coming up before the auction. So whether these will come down, I don't know. From the website of John Moran um, Auctioneer, the earrings are going up for auction on Wednesday, December 7th at 10 a.m. featuring the Erica Jane Girardi earrings and more. So these earrings are featured prominently on the website. So when we go and look at the earrings, it actually notes the starting bid at 180000 I think I had said two hundred earlier, and that it estimates the value between 250000 and 350000 It describes the earrings as 14-karat white gold stamped with Girardi slash MM, set with a rectangular modified brilliant cut diamond weighing 6.01 carats with a GIA report dated October 2020 stating G color and VS2 clarity and a square modified brilliant diamond cut earring weighing 6.57 carats with a GIA report dated October 20, 2022, stating a G color and a VS1 clarity, each set in a 14 carat white gold mount. 
accented with an additional 56 round full-cut diamonds, totaling approximately 0.20 carats in combined weight and graded F and G with a VS clarity. So that's the diamonds. If you are listening, I'm sorry, there are diamonds in the settings on the sides of the earrings um, that you can see from the website, or you can just come over and watch the YouTube video. So with that, we've got the earrings with the diamonds on the side. They say Girardi on the side. They have the jeweler etched into the back. But what is also provided are two GIA certificates about the diamonds and a receipt. The receipts provided. The receipt provided is from M&M Jewelry on Hill Street in Los Angeles, sold to Thomas Girardi, shipped to the Orleans Executive Office at 4500 West Tropicana, Los Angeles, or Las Vegas. I still don't know why these were being sent to Las Vegas. When Erica says nothing about being in Vegas, I, don't, I still don't know why these were shipped to Vegas. I have so many questions. They're never going to be answered. It shows an invoice date of March 2nd, and then the ship date, it looks like it says March 19th, 2007. So I have questions. Then it talks about the check, five, uh, 15847, and it says, ladies, handcrafted 18-karat white, gold, round, brilliant cut diamonds. Um, these are not round, but okay. Brilliant cut diamond, micro pave set stud earrings. It says two princess and diamonds. The princess, oh, sorry, the gold, the round were the pave set diamonds. Two princess cut diamonds. The princess cut diamonds weigh 7.09 carats and 7.07 carats. Grade VVS2, H in clarity and color. GIA cert, and then it gives the GIA certification number. Uh, it says special order mail ASAP, total $750,000 from 2007. Here's where the confusion comes in about these earrings. Not just the cost, but the weight. This receipt and the auction house is saying, by putting this receipt with the earrings, look, these are the earrings that were bought in 2007, and they have these certification, GIA certification numbers of 13758043. And 13355563. So it has these two GIA certification numbers. Well, I mean, I'm nosy. On the GIA website, you can pull up information about the GIA certification. So what do you think we did? Did we pull them up? You bet we pulled them up. So let's look at what those numbers that attached the receipt have to say real quick. So we have the Certification numbers ending 043 and 563 from the receipt that is attached at the auction house saying that these are the diamonds. We also have the receipt saying that these are 7.09 carats and 7.07 carats, and that these earrings were purchased with those certification numbers in July 2000, or sorry, in March 2007. The reason there is some question that comes in is because it's been made clear that these earrings replaced a similar pair of earrings that were stolen. The similar pair of earrings that were stolen are gone. I am not worried about them. This is a replacement set. But the confusion comes in because these GIA certifications were done farther back in time. Now, is it reasonable that these diamonds were cut seven plus carats each and certified and then not sold till a few years later? Yes, that's absolutely possible. Let's look at these certifications. 
The first one pulled up is the 563, which is the second one listed on the receipt. And the 563 certification says it was issued April 27, 2004. And it says the shape is a square modified brilliant and it's 7.02 carats, color grade H, clarity grade VVS2, polish very good, symmetry good. And then it goes through more details about the depth and the table and the proportions of the diamonds and the cut. But what we have is a 7.2 carat earring, which matches what is said in the receipt. Even though the receipt lists a 7.09 carat and what I thought said 7.07, but that handwritten 07 could easily be a handwritten 02. The color and the grade match. And I think you let me know if you're watching in the YouTube audience, if that 7.02 looks like it could be a two, it's handwritten. So it could easily well be a two. I think it could easily be a two or a seven. It's, it's not clearly written. Then when we get to document 043, what we see is a September 29th, 2004 certificate from GIA, square modified brilliant earring, 7.09 carats, color grade H, clarity grade VVS2. So we have two GIA report numbers from 2004 regarding earrings of this same weight, of this same color and clarity, of both square modified brilliant cuts, which is what the receipt is showing. That receipt that's connect to the earring, connected to the earrings being sold at auction. Here's where the confusion comes in. The earrings being sold at auction have two GIA certificates as well, and they are different GIA report numbers. The first GIA report number is a square modified brilliant earring at 6.57 carats, color grade G, clarity grade VS1, not VVS2, not H in color. So this is a different size, 6.57 carats versus 7.09 or 02 carats. And instead of being VVS2, as it was said in the others, it is a VS1 color clarity grade. And instead of being a color H, it is a color G. So, okay, these earrings are, you know, rated differently. Are those ratings next to each other? Yes, a VVS2 is next to VVS1 on the scale of the GIA certification. Could GIA certifications differ? I don't know. Is it a matter of opinion? But the weight for me is a concern. Now, remember, the old certificates, the 2004 certificates for the earrings sold in 2007, the old certificates, they are both square modified brilliant earrings in the seven carat range. This is six and a, half, a little over six and a half carats. The second certificate here from GIA that's provided by the auctioneer, this is the auction house that took the earrings provided by the trustee to sell. Those are the earrings provided by Erica, took the earrings to sell. The second certificate is for a rectangular modified brilliant earring at 6.01 carats, almost a full carat smaller than the, than, than, well, no, a full carat smaller than either of the earrings that are in the original certificates. And it's rectangular. Though it's barely rectangular, the measurements are 10.88 by 10.25. So it's barely rectangular. 
but it is still listed as rectangular. The older GIA certificates don't list anything as rectangular. They're both listed as square. So when the auction house took that receipt and said, this is the receipt for these earrings, and you look at the different GIA certificates, and you look at the weight that's listed in this receipt, the receipt says 7.09 carats and 7.02 carats. Why are the earrings being sold at auction being advertised as weighing less? These are being advertised by, by the auction house as weighing 6.57 carats and 6.01 carats. That's how they're being advertised. These are the earrings they were provided and photographed. So why are the stones different weight? Why are the diamonds a different weight? That is the big question. And you know, when you look at these zoomed up, it looks like one of the earrings is actually maybe a smidge more rectangular than the other one. When they are placed next to one another, I think you can see that a little bit more clearly in some of the photos on this website when the earrings are put right next to each other um, in the jewelry box. It seems to me that you can see the, that slight elongation in the one that is listed as rectangular. Though on your ears, these earrings are so fucking big, you would never really notice. That is why there is confusion over these earrings. Because it is confusing. You have a check for $750,000 to buy the earrings in 2007. That check is correlated to a receipt that is listed by the auctioneer. That receipt lists earrings in the seven-carat range with different color and clarity and lists their GIA certificate numbers. Those GIA certificate numbers link to earrings or link to diamonds that match the receipt. The GIA certificates provided by the auction house do not match these certificates or what's on this receipt. But they were provided by Erica. They do seem described the same in the settings and the way the settings are. So others have called Erica out and said, Erica swapped the earrings. I don't think we know what happened. I don't think we know what happened. But what I do know is those earrings don't weigh the same. And the auction house created the confusion a little bit, I think, by adding in this receipt saying, these are the earrings that were purchased and now they're being sold. So is somebody getting a pair of $750,000 earrings for $250,000? Or are these different stones in the same settings? I don't know. And I don't know if we will know. What I do know is I have a lot of questions. And I think the auction house has been clear about what they're selling and the weight they're selling. But when you add that receipt about the original purchase, the original purchase receipt, as described, the diamonds in that receipt do not match the diamonds that are on sale, in my opinion. They are different diamonds. So what you have is different diamonds. How those diamonds are different, when those diamonds were different, if there are, if there are multiple diamonds, I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that seven carats and six and a half carats are not the same. 7.02 carats and 6.01 carats are not the same. They're not the same. A big difference. So while I was skeptical at the beginning, I needed to go back through and look at all of the receipts, look at the GIA certifications and ask why, and I don't know, why are these stones different? Why do they weigh different? Why is the color and clarity different? They are all GIA certified. but 
they are not exactly the same. The setting is described the same, but we're, we're between 2007 and between, you know, 2022, could those diamonds in the earrings have been sold and replaced? Could have happened, could have happened. But Erica's on the show saying, look, look, these are worth 1.3 now. Well, that's not what the auctioneer says. The auctioneer says that they are worth somewhere between 250000 and 350000 for sale. Though the hammer price at things at auction and what they are asking to sell them for is not necessarily what the retail price would be. And the auctioneer has made that clear on their website that what they're being sold for and what the retail price might be and what the retail value might be could be marked up substantially. But whether or not there's a retail markup on these earrings does not answer the difference between a GNH color, VVS2 and VS1 clarity, and seven carats and not seven carats. Those are questions that I have. So, where are the other diamonds? And would they be able to tell? Like, would would these diamonds not have the number of the certificate in them? Like, who did the forensics on these diamonds? I have so many questions about these diamonds and they're not going to get answered. They're going to get sold. Hopefully, whoever buys these diamonds, can you sleuth for us and just answer the question? Can you answer the question? Because we have questions. But we've got the new certificates here and we've got the receipt and we've got the certificates from the receipt and they don't all match. They just simply don't. How that came to be, I don't know if we'll ever know. I don't know if we'll ever know, but I hope somebody tracks the diamonds. Who's a diamond sleuth? Someone track these diamonds. I want to know what happened because it's weird. All right. There's lots more to talk about. Um, by the way, when the, when the diamonds were stolen, when the diamonds were stolen, they weren't insured. So Erica has said they're stolen. Tom has said they're stolen. They've said in court filings that they were stolen. There was no insurance claim, but this was the replacement earrings. Erica has shown the replacement earrings on various things where she's talked about her jewelry collection. I just, I have a lot of questions about these earrings, but she was, she's been wearing them on the show. But from a television screen, you can't tell if they're a six carat earring or a seven carat, or at least I can't. So I don't know if we'll ever have an answer, but we sure have a lot of questions. This auction Will be interesting to see. I'm very curious about what the final cost is, but this is not the only auction that's gone down. We also had an auction go down for Tom Girardi's personal property, and we are going to talk about that right now. But first, a huge thank you to our sponsor, because remember, insurance is important. A huge thank you to our sponsor, Policy Genius. Today, you will hear me ranting about why Erica Girardi's $750,000 earrings weren't insured. But you know what you can ensure that's even more valuable than that? Your life, literally. And Policy Genius makes it easy. One of the things that stops people from getting life insurance is having to deal with the process. Policy Genius was built to revolutionize the way you buy life insurance. Their technology makes it easy to compare policies from all different carriers, from Prudential to AIG and find your lowest price in just a few clicks. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance that starts at just $17 per month for $500,000 of coverage. And remember, life insurance gets more expensive as you age. 
So check it out today. Your loved ones deserve a financial safety net. You deserve a smarter way to find it. Head to policygenius.com slash lawnerd or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you can save. That's policygenius.com slash lawnerd. Now let's get back to today's show. We are now talking about the auction for Tom Girardi's personal property. Not the house, the house in Pasadena sold for like $7 million, not the house, but all the shit that was in the house that sold. That was all listed online. It was the same auctioneer hired by the trustee of the personal bankruptcy, Jason Rund. And we're going to go through what happened. So the sale was conducted on September 21st, 2022. The hammer price of all items sold at the auction were $400,000. The sum of $530,000 was turned over to the trustee. And that sum includes the fees, commissions, sales tax, credit card processing fees, all that stuff. Pursuant to the consignment agreement between the trustee and the auctioneer, a seller's commission is payable as follows. Um, Total sales, $400,000. Commission due, $24,000. The sum of $20,000 was collected from purchasers for sales tax and turned over to the trustee. The auctioneer is responsible for payment of sales tax and requests reimbursement of this expense from the trustee. The sum of $106,000 was collected as buyer's commission. This amount is calculated as following 25% of the first $500,000 of the hammer price for buyers who purchase by cash or check, 30% if purchased via live auctioneers or bid square platforms, and an additional 3.5% for buyers who paid by credit card. No individual lot exceeded $500,000. Pursuant to the agreement, the trustee and auctioneer approved by the court um, that this amount was turned over to the trustee and the auctioneer request payment of the final amount from the trustee. So buyer's premium, 25%, would be $66,000. At 30%, it would be $39,000. Buyer's premium due back to the auctioneer is $106,000. And then it goes through credit card processing fees and the returning those fees to the auctioneer of a little over $3,000. So the, the auctioneer is asking for their fees and costs back out of the you know $500,000 plus that was turned over to the trustee. The auctioneer gets back their fees and their costs. Those things are all pre-agreed upon before the auction and will be turned over. The auctioneer requests a final fees from the auction in the amount of $130,000, which consists of the seller's commission of $24,000, the buyer's premium of $106,000. In addition, the auctioneer requests expenses and reimbursement of $47,000, consisting of credit card fees, reimbursement of insurance premium advanced, et cetera. Reimbursement expense for moving the furniture in the amount of $7,000. A photographer... Wait... The photography fee of $12,000 and then $20,000 for reimbursement of sales tax. The moving fees of all the shit cost $7,000, but the photography fee was $12,000. Who are you hiring to take pictures? How is the photography fee $12,000? I have questions. I have questions. It seems like the moving fees seem like, okay, it was a lot of furniture. It's stuff from the house and it's some of its antiques. It's stuff that's valuable and that needs to be protected. But how is the photography fee $12,000? I'm a little stuck on that number. I mean, get your bag, but 
the problem for me is that there are so many, um, there are so many people to be paid out of this. So they were large lots. Seems like a lot of money. All right. So with that, we are going to take a look at, we are going to take a look at some of the interesting bidders. So what I did notice in the list of the list of purchasers, and the reason I'm not pulling it up over on the YouTube screen is because a lot of these have addresses connected with them. Are some of them um, business addresses? Sure. Could some of them be personal addresses? Sure. I'm just not pulling it up. But we see like a carpet company from West Hollywood buying a bunch of the carpets. I'm sure they're going to resell them. We've got um, a 19th century French school thing purchased for like $8,500 that is going to a location in Paris, France, which I thought was fascinating. We have the Andy Warhol, quote unquote, giant size being sold to someone who lives in Los Angeles with a bunch of other stuff. But we have a lot of businesses that seemingly took advantage of not just purchasing the alcohol that was being sold, but purchasing um, some of the goods that it looks like they may be able to use or resell. But the one that I thought was most interesting is Tom Girardi's brother. Yes, Tom Girardi's brother purchased things at this auction, which blew me away as I was looking through who purchased. Robert Girardi purchased three items, a micro mosaic or two micro mosaic panels and an Italian micro mosaic panel. Um, two of the panels sold for upwards of $1,200 and the other one for $2,000. Like, wh why is his brother buying stuff at this auction? It was so strange to me. I was like, um, oh, okay. Oh, okay. You really wanted those micro mosaic panels. All right. So I did a little internet sleuthing and found lot 4125, an Italian micro mosaic panel sold on September 21st, 2022 by John Moran Auctioneers. And it is, well, it looks like a tile panel of fish. Yep. Yep. I, I just, I don't know why they wanted them, but clearly wanted the Italian micro mosaic panels and bought three of these. So who knows why? I thought it was very interesting that those that those three were all purchased by his brother for um, thousands of dollars each. Who knows why the family wanted them? Maybe Girardi wanted them. And he was like, can you please buy the Italian mosaic tiles? They're my favorite. I'm going to see if I can find one of the other ones. So Tom Girardi's brother purchased lots 4037, 4049, and 4125. And I just pulled up the catalog to show you because I was able to find it even though it had been gone. I'm going to screenshot it before we leave here today. Um, all three of the different micro mosaic tiles to show the audience. One that looks like a dolphin eating a fish. One that looks like two women sitting and staring off into the distance. And one that looks like a, you know, a market day um, with fish and, and asparagus and stuff. So. If you're curious, um, you can pop on over to the YouTube channel and take a look at what those look like. It's, uh, yeah, the we have found the micro mosaic tiles. Look, I, I thought it was strange. I just, I was too curious to let it go. And speaking of people who aren't going to let it go, we need to talk about the claims in the bankruptcy 
from the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board. So let's talk about that. As I was going through the claims in both the Tom Girardi personal bankruptcy and the uh, Girardi Keese bankruptcy of the law firm, I was really looking for the claims from the IRS and the Franchise Tax Board because I'm curious as how much they're saying that they are owed. The The IRS has updated theirs four times now to show the amount due, and we have three tax collector liens, not liens, three tax collector claims in the personal bankruptcy. The personal bankruptcy means that both Tom Girardi and Erica Girardi can be on the hook for these. So the first thing we're going to take a look at is the claim filed by the California Franchise Tax Board against Tom Girardi's estate in the personal bankruptcy. And this is a total claim amount of $5.3 million, unsecured priority claims of $5.6 million, unsecured general claims of $703,000. Those are going to be your fees. And then a breakdown of what these are for. So these are C attachment taxes or penalties owed government units, $4.69 plus million dollars from the California Franchise Tax Board. It said that a lien had not been filed yet, though there are reports that a tax lien for a much smaller amount has since been filed against Erica. These are the tax liens owed debtor Tom Girardi, but again, these are married individuals, so these liens can be a problem. Here's the thing that's most interesting. There is tax from 2019 in the amount of 100 or um, not 2019. 2019, there's a penalty of $140,000, interest of $773,000. There are penalties for 2011, 2012, 2013, and 2019. The penalties from 2013 are 61,000. The penalties from 2012 is 352,000. The penalties from 2011 are 5,000. The penalties from 2019, 140,000. And then of course, because it's the Franchise Tax Board, there is interest on all of those penalties. Then it looks like there are unpaid taxes from 2013 of $308,000 from 2012 of $1.7 million from 2011 of $29,000 and from 2019 of $1.7 million. So what we have are unpaid taxes, penalties, and interest on those. Yes, there is interest. If you're looking at these on the internet with me, you can see them. Yes, there is interest on the penalties, but there is also interest on the amount due. So yes, interest is accruing on the back taxes and on the penalties on the back taxes. Why? Because government. Because government. And that's how we get to $5.3 million in taxes being claimed by the Franchise Tax Board for the state of California. Then when we take a look at what the IRS has filed, this is their fourth claim because they've been updating the amount that they say they're owed in the personal bankruptcy. I keep specifying because, yes, there are tax claims in the other bankruptcy as well. In the personal bankruptcy, the IRS is claiming for taxes $5,054,072.45. They've just nailed it all the way down. This is for 
2018 through 2020. So for 2018, they're saying kind of tax income, date assessed 11-18-2019, $257,000 with interest to date at t- over $20,000. Income taxes owed for uh, 2018, it says an estimate, see note, and there's a note attached at $503,000 with $30,000 of interest. Then income tax from 2019 assessed in 2020 for $3.3 million with interest to date at $43,000. Then income tax assessed 2019, it says see note at $798,000 with interest of $4,000. And another note of civil penalties from 12-31-2020 of 51000 without interest accruing on that for a total of taxes due $4.9 million plus and interest in the $98,000 range. Total amount of unsecured claims, $261,000 for the general unsecured claims, the unsecured priority claims being at that $5 million number. So, the IRS is estimating right now that Tom Girardi owes over $5 million in taxes. Here's the thing. These aren't going to be discharged in bankruptcy. If they get paid, they get paid. If they don't, they will keep going after this until it's paid. So I have been saying Erica has to be waiting for the other shoe to drop with regard to taxes. Before pulling up these claims, what I didn't see is that these were going back to 2018. So there are taxes that the IRS is claiming that they are due from Tom Girardi, a married individual, back to 2018 for upwards of $5 million. So when this bankruptcy is all said and done, we have right now over $5 million in IRS taxes and over $4.6 million in franchise tax board taxes known so far for their personal taxes, Tom's and Erica's. So Erica has some idea of how much the IRS is saying that they owe. Will the IRS get all the way paid out of this estate? I don't know if there will be enough money to do that, but Erica will be on the hook for what's left. And that's before the LA County tax assessor gets their piece of it. The LA County tax assessor will probably get paid from the sale of the house because these are for property taxes. But let's take a look at what they're saying they're owed. They're talking about the value of the property being at $3.1 million, that property in Pasadena. Amount of the claim that is secured, $84,000. Interest rate fixed at 18%. So the uh, tax assessor in California is looking for just over $84,000 for the property in Pasadena. That will probably all be dealt with when the property was sold. So the these taxes will probably have been taken care of. This is defaulted property taxes from 2020. However, they were in bankruptcy in 2020. The bankruptcy wasn't paying the property taxes. Tom Girardi couldn't be paying the property taxes. Though the bankruptcy wasn't filed until December 2020, So your taxes, your 2020 taxes would have been paid. Um, I actually think they get paid the year following. So would have been paid the year following. So these would have 
These would have been unpaid and due in 2021 while he's in the conservatorship and doing during the bankruptcy. So are these the biggest problem? No, and they'll probably get taken care of when the house was sold. But that's not the only taxes we have to deal with. So if you're keeping a running tally at home, those aren't the only taxes that we're dealing with because there are taxes in the bankruptcy of the law firm as well. The first thing we're looking at is an IRS claim from the I from the IRS. An IRS claim from the IRS. Yes, thank you, Emily, for making it abundantly clear for Girardi Keys. And this document is a claim in that bankruptcy saying that the IRS believes they are owed $51,000 from the law firm. What's interesting about the law firm is that there is quite a lot of evidence that perhaps the law firm was not incorporated. It was running as a sole proprietorship and that these will pass along through to Tom Girardi if he did not pay them. So this assessment of, you know, over over $50,000 is going to potentially be passed off to Tom Girardi because this will not be dischargeable during the bankruptcy. There's also two tax assessments for property taxes due on the law firm's building. That building has not sold. The first one is for over $56,000. It says that that is secured by a tax lien. So a lien has already been placed on likely that property before it sells. And there is a second one as well that is for the same property, different period of time for $74,000 plus. So there are franchise tax board um, requests. There are IRS demands. There are LA County tax demands. And what we know from other lawsuit filings is there's an additional $2 million from the franchise tax board out there after Erica. So depending on how they were filing their taxes or whether those are from her businesses, there are still taxes from the franchise tax board coming after Erica and reports that they have actually filed a lien for those taxes. So it is it is a long way to go to get these paid because when the bankruptcy ends, if these are not paid off, these will not discharge. But wait, there's more when we talk about the bankruptcy because what we haven't talked about a lot is that the bankruptcy trustee is suing some of the legal lenders. I covered this on YouTube a while back, but is still suing some of the legal lenders to claw back monies that were distributed to the legal lenders in the run-up to the bankruptcy. So the bankruptcy trustee is not just trying to get earrings back from Erica and other property back, but is also trying to get back money from the legal lenders. And the legal lenders are also being sued by Jay Edelson and his law firm, Edelson PC, in the Northern District of California, and that lawsuit just got moved to Los Angeles, well, the Central District of California. So when we look at what's going on with the legal lenders and who was getting money from the Girardi Case Law Firm as this firm was crumbling, well, guess whose name keeps coming up? Yep, the legal lenders. Guess who's all submitted claims in these bankruptcies? Also, the legal lenders. The companies that were propping up Girardi Case before its downfall with loaning money after money, we have learned from the allegations in the bankruptcy trustees lawsuit that those lenders were trying to negotiate and wheel and deal to make sure that they were getting paid. Similar allegations in the Edelson PC lawsuit. So we now have these multiple lawsuits going after the legal lenders to try to claw back money into the bankruptcy estate or to the clients. Um, 
but they're still filing claims in the bankruptcy saying, hey, we didn't get paid. It's just so fucking wild. It's so fucking wild. So just in brief mention of the racketeering suit that was filed by Edelson PC, there's been quite a lot of litigation going on with regard to that suit and moving it to a different venue. Edelson PC was arguing that this suit would not be treated fairly and best in the Central District of California, which is where Los Angeles is, where Girardi Keese practiced, and that it would be harder for them to find local counsel in Los Angeles because of Girardi Keese. And we heard that in my interview with Jay Edelson of those that did not want to rock the boat on these cases and those that were like, yeah, good luck with that. Even with the state bar, when Edelson said, hey, this is going on, and the state bar is like, maybe we should look at your lawyers instead. So the the racketeering lawsuit that is against Christopher Kamen, the now in, in custody CFO of Girardi Keys, Erica, Lyra, Griffin, and a number of the lenders, that case has been moved out of the Northern District of California into the Central District of California. It will be interesting to see how it proceeds from there, but that's not all. That case was also granted the ability to take depositions of Christopher Kamen in custody of the of the uh, U.S. Marshals. So I imagine what Christopher Kamen said is, I'm not talking to you at all, but they have the right to try to take the CFO now in custody's deposition. And, and what we're learning from Edelson PC on Twitter as of December 5th is that they have filed another lawsuit. So we're going to Jay Edelson's Twitter at Jay Edelson just filed our pro bono complaint against former Girardi lawyer Keith Griffin and his new firm. Complaint alleges that they are attempting to retain fees not legally available to them and are refusing to return client money that should not reasonably be in dispute. Leading up to the filing, we got the eerily familiar dodging of info, blaming, no joke, quote, miscommunication with bookkeeper, ending with a page ripped from Tom's playbook, The Threat, quote, Good luck with your legal practice in California. This is why Edelson PC was fighting to not have this case moved to central, uh, to the central district in Los Angeles because they, it seems, don't want local counsel to be threatened for, for really shaking uh, this case. But it's that maybe we should look into you. So they are being threatened, it seems, up, up one way and down the other, which is so interesting because it seems uncontroversial to me to try to get back fucking stolen client money. But when you shine the light on this kind of corruption that is so big, it seems that what people are turning around to do is saying, good luck to you with that. Jay Adelson is fighting against a very large institution being the plaintiff's bar. And it's shocking to me still that the plaintiff's bar is not horrified by this. And I'm sure some are. But those that are saying, good luck with that, is, is just absolutely appalling to me. So there is another lawsuit going after Girardi attorney Keith Griffin. And in the Jay Edelson lawsuit, we talked about some of the other attorneys that had left Edelson PC, or apologies, had left uh, Girardi Keith. And Jay was talking about, hey, why don't you have the clients go talk to this lawyer? And that lawyer was deeply connected with Girardi, well, guess what? That lawyer, Finnerty, is representing one of the Girardi Keese lawyers in another lawsuit 
that's being filed or that's been filed for not paying fees. It's another lawsuit where Erica Girardi is also named. I don't know if that lawsuit will be successful against her, but we need to take a look at that real quick as we're doing our Girardi roundup. If you're all like, how many lawsuits are we talking about? All, all, all of them. There are so many of them. No, we're not going to actually get to all of them today because there's too many. But the ones we haven't touched in on in a while, we need to talk about. But before we talk about this lawsuit, you know, Nicolas Cage's ex-girlfriend suing Erica Girardi, that lawsuit, we need to talk about one other thing. If you want to participate in the behind the scenes of these recordings, if you want to participate in the members-only streams and chats with me that we do every month, there is still time to go to lawnardsunite.com and join our members-only community. If you join over on Patreon, we have a members-only podcast called I Have Thoughts, where I dive in a little bit more to what I'm thinking about the stories I'm covering, not just the legal angle. And it's a great place to have conversations with other law nerds. There are well over 3,000 of you there, and you can come join us for just $3 a month if you want to join Patreon at Law Nerds Unite. And if you join listening to this episode, there is still time to get into not only an incredible giveaway that I'm doing of our limited 200K celebration boxes, but there's time to catch this month's members-only live stream. So make sure you go to lawnardsunite.com and join our incredible members-only community. All right, let's talk about this lawsuit. We talked about this lawsuit over on YouTube a little bit. And just as a refresh, Christina Fulton suing Erica Girardi, EJ Global, Pretty Mess Inc., Samantha Gold, John Kelly Courtney, and others. John Kelly Courtney's arguing that he should be yeeted out of this lawsuit on demur. He's like, I was a supervising attorney at the time. I didn't handle this case. Samantha Gold is alleged to be the attorney that handled the case. Erica's alleged to have benefited from the client funds that didn't go from Christina Fulton. What's very interesting is when Christina Fulton filed their answer to this complaint, you can see who their attorney is. And the attorney on this is Robert Finnerty, who is now at the Axe Law Firm in Los Angeles. But this is one of the former Girardi attorneys. So the former Girardi attorney is representing former Girardi attorney with regard to money being taken. And I thought it was such an interesting example of how these attorneys are kind of circling the wagons, or at least that's what it seems like to me. Finnerty was dismissed out of other lawsuits, but has been brought up in other lawsuits and was an attorney that was conflicted from dealing with the clients in the Lion Air case when the Girardi said, maybe you want to talk to a malpractice attorney, go talk to this guy. Well, this guy's now representing one of the attorneys being sued in the uh, and alleged to have failed to pay client fees. So are we shocked? No. Christina Fulton also filed claims in the bankruptcy saying that they weren't paid their client fees. And of course, there are motions to dismiss. So this litigation is ongoing and um, is ongoing with the motions to dismiss and the demurs, and we'll be back in court on January 17th, and we'll see what happens on those demurs. So when I say there are lawsuits on lawsuits on lawsuits ongoing, it's because there's lawsuits on lawsuits on lawsuits. So the things that I am tracking in the Girardi case, the latest bankruptcy auction, 
the what's going on with the law firm bankruptcy. The personal bankruptcy doesn't have quite as much going on, but it doesn't have nearly as many creditors. So what's going on in the law firm bankruptcy? We have not done a full deep dive of the lawsuit between the trustee and the legal lenders, which we will do as they um, as they start to parallel. I think they will. The racketeering allegations, the racketeering case has been moved and we're covering that. And then this appeal with the earrings. Those are kind of the, the top things that I am tracking. And of course, the arrest of the CFO of this company with the allegation that he was running a side fraud to the tune of $10 million. Will there be more arrests? I don't know. Will 2023 be eventful in these cases that all started coming to the public's attention in December 2020? Absolutely. We are a long way from done with the Girardi fraud. And it's like every time you pick up a thread of a case, there are more and more and more. And I'm gonna ju- we're just going to keep covering it. So if you have questions about this or anything, drop them in the comments down below. Leave them in the reviews of the podcast. It's because of you that this podcast is at the top of its category every single week. And we are pushing to, we are pushing to 2 million downloads on the podcast. And I am so excited. So, so with that, it is time for me to say goodbye. I feel like I've been talking forever and I wanted this episode to be more succinct. And here we are, not succinct. (laughs) Maybe succinct in just a lot of topics. You let me know. And with that, I can't believe it's December and I hope you are getting ready for a happy holiday season. So may your Wi-Fi be strong. May your toilet paper and pumpkin pie be plentiful. May your families be well, because now you can't find cold medicine literally every anywhere. And everyone has this cough, snot, nose, flu thing. So I hope you don't have that. It's miserable. It's gone through our family. Hated it the most. And may the odds be ever in your favor. Cheers, Lawnards. Thank you for joining me for another one. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a Lawnard. I will see you in the next one. <laughs>